Welcome to Maximum Octane and your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution in the automotive industry. I'm your host, Kim Hickey, former shop owner turned industry educator, speaker, and entrepreneurial motivator. Each week during our ride together, you will hear unfiltered stories of inspiration and transformation shared by successful business owners and CEOs. Their experiences will motivate you to do things you never thought possible, encourage you to reach your full potential, and help you to exchange unproductive habits for productive ones. While many of my guests will be related to the automotive industry, it's crucial in the world of tomorrow that we stop being silos and we open our minds to ideas and inspiration from other industries as well. We also know that to be truly successful in business, you must have a healthy work and home life balance. All of my guests are handpicked with these crucial elements in mind. Our industry is evolving by the second, and we need to as well. Buckle up, because here we go. Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of Maximum Octane. I am so excited for you to be joining me today. My name is Kim Hickey, and I am not going to say I'm your host. That's what everybody else does. I am anything but conventional. Those of you that know me, my actions are not conventional. (laughs) My approach to life is not conventional. My looks are not conventional. And I'm going to continue on with that theme. I like to work hard and play hard. And I know all of you do as well. We, We really work hard at what we do. So I've always wanted to be a ringleader because I just love the outfits. I got to tell you, I love the hats. I love all of that. So going forward, you will hear me say that you're joining Maximum Octane with your ringleader, Kim Hickey. And don't be surprised if I don't show up somewhere or at your shop or business with a ringleader hat on because they're just really super cool, aren't they? So I want to give you a little bit of background information about me and get you to where we are today and why that we're doing this. But I also want to be very transparent with you because that's how I am. I am known to not sugarcoat at all. I will always say what the truth is. I will always, if something doesn't smell right, whether it's a guest, whether it's whatever, I I will call you out and I will say that just doesn't make sense or that doesn't sound right. And so I want to be completely honest and transparent with you. Maximum Octane is a standalone podcast for the automotive industry and actually any business at all can learn from it. It is driven by ATI. ATI is the Automotive Training Institute, and I happen to be employed by them. And I have been involved with them as a client or a coach since around 2003. This show is not about ATI, and there will be people that have affiliations to ATI. Come on, because we have a lot of wonderful shop owners in our program, but we're also going to have a lot of guests that don't have anything to do with ATI and are not involved with them at all. Let me tell you a little bit about me, and then we'll get to why this. So my background in the automotive industry started when I was in my early 20s. It's Again, very unconventional seems to be the theme of my life. I did not grow up as a little girl dreaming about owning an automotive repair shop was the furthest thing from my mind and my goals and my life plans. And I had to go to Arizona to take care of my grandparents. They had moved out there and they were starting to fail in health. And they were very, very good to me when I was growing up and a huge part of my influence and who I am today. And I wanted to take care of them when they needed help because they've always been there for our family whenever anybody needed anything. So I packed up my stuff. I went to Arizona, had to meet all new people, learn all new things 
just kind of start my life over. And that was okay. But one of the things that I had to do was take my grandparents to the doctors, take their car to get fixed, all kinds of things, grocery shopping, help them with their bills, so on and so forth. So lo and behold, my grandparents and I take a a trip and we were driving on some pretty steep switchback roads and there was a lot of braking coming down from the mountain. And I had to bring their car in to get serviced anyway for, for to have the oil changed at the time, called it an oil change. And so when I brought it into the shop, I explained to the service advisor that I needed an oil change. And then also I wanted them to look at the brakes and I described the trip we were on and the braking and all of that. So lo and behold, they come back to pick up the vehicle. My oil change was done. And then they said, oh, by the way, we couldn't reach you, but you need to take the high altitude air out of the tires and put in low altitude air. So that didn't really make sense to me. I had never heard of anything like that and was not going to do it. You know, you get that feeling in your gut, you know, you just know when something's right and something's not. And so in my gut, I knew that this was not right. This, this was wrong. I shouldn't do it. And I declined that repair, so to speak. And when I was walking out, they said, no worry, you know, we can do it at any time. If, you know, since you're declining it today, as long as you're not worried about the safety of your grandparents driving in the car with that, I froze. Cause, oh my gosh, my Nana and pub ups, you know, I, I can't let them get in a car accident because I'm too cheap to, to pay for this service of exchanging the air. Right. So I went ahead and gave approval, paid for it, waited while they did it, quote unquote, and and left. It just didn't sit right with me. So I went to high school in New Jersey and a lot of my friends and friends, brothers and, you know, people that I was around were very into cars and building engines and race cars and, and different things. There wasn't anybody in our neighborhood that didn't have a car with a hood up, you know, for every barbecue or whatever party, they would build cars too to race at English town and all kinds of stuff. So it was before cell phones. So I made some calls when I got home to some of my friends in New Jersey and they were outraged (laughs) to say the least. They want to know the address, you know, of the shop and they were going to come and take care of them. And I'll leave that for another episode, um, all those details. But anyway, I'm like, I got this, you know, I'll take care of it. Thank you for the information. So I went back in the shop said to them, I did my research, you know, and I wanted a refund. And if they didn't give me a refund that there was going to be a legal action or, you know, something, I don't know even what I said, probably I'll sue you and, you know, whatever. So they gave me a refund, but then I just, I was so outraged. And so I was talking to people about it that I was meeting and they're like, oh, that's nothing. You know, we paid this and they didn't even do it. And we paid a thousand dollars for new shocks. And then my son came to visit and they spray painted the shocks we had. And I just kept hearing horror story after horror story after horror story of all these things that people were getting ripped off at. So I probably should tell you that my grandparents lived in a retirement community that the town was basically all retirees. And so there were a lot of widows there that, you know, would just go in these shops and say, I'm Mrs. John Smith and Mr. Smith passed away and he took care of the car for 50 years. I've never had to, here's a blank check, just fix what I need. And unfortunately there are those shops out there that prey on people and, and they really took advantage of them. I'm so proud and thrilled to say that I see much less of that these days, but it, it really, it was horrible. 
being young and idealistic and wanting to change the world and make it a better place, I was like, I just, I can't even believe this is happening. And what can I do? And so down the street from me, there was a tire shop and there was a, we'll call him a mechanic at the time, because that's what we called, that's what we called technicians then. And he probably was really a mechanic. He could fix anything, boy, give him some bailing wire and <laughs> some clamps. And I'll tell you what, he could, he could do pretty much anything like magic, but they had converted to a tire shop that was very high pace and, and really high production numbers. And this gentleman, his name was Johnny, actually Johnny couldn't keep up. So they let him go, but I knew that he was an honest guy. I knew that he worked really hard. I knew that he understood about vehicles and stuff and so I asked him, like, what are you going to do? And he said, I don't know. So my grandparents' car needed something else. So I said, can you come to my house and set up in my carport and take care of my grandparents' house? Because where he lived, he, he lived in a trailer park. And so there wasn't any place that he could work on the car and be allowed. So I'm like, just bring it to my house. And so he did a really good job and the car was running great. And so then like my grandparents' friends would say, he, can you hook up that guy with us? You know, can he fix our car? You know, your grandparents said what a good job he did and so on and so forth. So it started growing. People were like desperate to have somebody be honest with, with them about their, their vehicle. So that kind of went on for a little bit and here and there, you know, onesies, twosies and on and off. And it, it started growing a little bit. So then at one point I had like 14 cars in my driveway and my neighbor said, Kim, enough is enough. This is not a commercial area. This is a residential neighborhood. And besides the fact, we don't really appreciate the guy you have in your carport out there cursing and screaming at the cars all day and throwing things. It's frankly frightening us. So, okay. I had to go find a shop. What do I know? I'm in my early twenties. What, what do I, I can't afford a shop. I'm, you know, taking care of my grandparents. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. So, okay. What do I do? I go and I find a shop. It's only $500 a month. Holy cow. I can afford $500 a month, right? That's one oil change a day. I can do that for sure. So this shop had one lift in it and then one flat stall right across from it. There was a door in the front and a door in the back. It was in the middle of nowhere. It was a metal corrugated building, no heating, no cooling, no anything. So you can imagine how fun that is in Arizona. In dirt, there was dirt surrounding it. So when the monsoons would come, you'd literally sink in a foot of mud. Anyway, it was so out of the way that literally cows, I have pictures of cows walking through my shop because it just you know was in the middle of nowhere. What do I know about running a business? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing, but there's a need. I want to make the world a better place. I don't want all these elderly people getting ripped off. Oh my gosh, I'm going to do this. I got my mechanic, Johnny. I have my one base shop. It's only $500 a month in rent. What could go wrong, right? So little did I know that you have to pay personally personal property taxes on the property you already bought. And then I learned all about the Mitchell manuals. Yes, it was manuals back in the day. We had to actually open up books and all the other wonderful things, how much tools cost and just on and on and on. And so I started a business. Eventually it got to be too much for to be working full-time and doing that. So I quit, quit my job to, to dedicate myself to that full-time. People came from all over. I mean, all over the closest civilization, either way, if you went left or right out of my shop was probably six to eight miles. People came 
that far and even further because they heard about this honest shop that would do the right thing, that would be transparent, that would be honest and all of that. They came in droves and I just couldn't fit in that anymore. So then I moved and I bought a big building that was 5,500 square feet. By this time, you know, a few years had gone by, probably five, six years since the beginning, maybe seven, eight, I don't know. I'd have to look at the dates. But anyway, long story short, I get to, I'm cranking. I'm cranking. People are coming from all over. There's like a wait for me, for my shop, for not only external customers, but internal customers. You'll hear me talk about internal customers. That's that's your employees, your team members, whatever you want to call them. I think of them as internal customers. We'll get to a little bit more on that a little bit later. Anyway, I had a waiting list for internal customers and external customers, and uh, we were the place to be because I cared about training. I treated my internal customers with care. They weren't just a number. They weren't just a, a tool and for many reasons. And so I didn't really have to do any advertising at all. I didn't really do any marketing. It was all word of mouth based on our reputation and customer referrals. Probably we're in this 13 years, say, going forward, I'm doing $1.3 million a year, hating life, hating life, hating life, 30 something cars coming in a day, running millions of dollars through the bank, have customers waiting for several weeks. I have internal customers waiting to come work for me. I didn't even want to get out of bed in the morning. I, I would start getting depressed the night before because I didn't want to get up the next day and go to work. The techs, the service advisors kind of would just ran amok because I wasn't a technician. So in my mind, I didn't know what to tell them, right? Because whatever they would tell me, I would almost take as gospel, right? If they said they needed three lifts a piece, or they said they can't do this kind of thing or whatever, I would just have to believe it because I didn't know anything about being a tech, right? So as, as the years got on and I got to 13 years, <laughs> I learned a little bit along the way, but I couldn't still make payroll some days. I mean, there were Thursday nights that I swear I was praying to the payroll gods. Like, you know, if Mrs. Johnson doesn't pick up that truck tomorrow, I don't know how I'm making payroll. And I just would sit and berate myself and just thought I was the dumbest person ever because how could I be doing over a million dollars in sales and not have any money? How does that happen? How am I working seven days a week? How am I doing all this? This is not worth it to me, right? So over the years, my parts, different parts, vendors, you know, would tell me about classes or seminars or events for automotive coaching. And I would say to them, I don't need that. I'm doing an over a million dollars a year. I got 30 cars a day. I got a waiting list for internal and external customers. I don't have to do any advertising. I have, you know, I, I don't need anybody to tell me what to do. So guess what? I finally went to one of them. And it happened to be ATI, a day event. I found out how much money I was losing, a lot of the things I was doing wrong. I got validation for some of the things I was doing right, but holy cow, was I approaching it wrong. And why the heck was I trying to do it all by myself when there's so much help out there? There's so much help out there and so much resources. And it's a wonderful community, the automotive industry. 
I learned the hard way and um, it took me 13 years of a lot of mistakes and a lot of, for a while, broken dreams, I guess, you know, time wasted and to kind of get on the right track and learn was really out there. So part of this is my wish for you is that you don't make as many of the mistakes that I did that you listen sooner. There's help out there for everybody and resources and even just peers listening to your other peers and what they're doing. Just ask for help, take help, go get coaching, do whatever you need to do, but don't try to do this alone. So that brings me to today. I sort of made myself obsolete at my business once I learned how to run it properly, how to charge properly, all of the other mistakes that are very common. You know, it has e-myth written all over it, right? That book by Michael Gerber, for sure. If you haven't read that, that's a fantastic book for anybody that's ever done anything and then decided to start a business. It's a different mindset. So leads me to today in my career. I am a coach, not only a coach with ATI, I'm a director of client fulfillment. Part of that is I coach the coaches. I help train them. I still coach some members. I get to facilitate some amazing 20 groups. I also for outside of ATI do speaking events. I am a moderator for uh, some things. Matter of fact, coming up uh, November 1st, I'll be doing moderating a panel for ASA in Vegas. So that's pretty exciting. So there's a lot of things. And one of the things that I can bring to you is years of experience, knowing what it is, the, the shoes that you're in today, feeling the pain you felt feeling the joy that you have felt and all those other things. I am also just, and then we're just about done with me. I have certifications and quite a few things, but um, the ones that probably will matter to you is profit first. So I understand about the financial part of it, plus P&Ls and all of that stuff. I am a professional certified coach through the ICF, the International Coaching Federation, which is like the ASE for that. I am a master coach certified trainer, and I am also a certified uh, Genos practitioner for emotional intelligence. So I have the wonderful ability to tap on probably 1700 chops at any given time. I've been in, I don't know how many hundreds of shops and been exposed to thousands of them. So I've seen a lot of things. um, I've seen a lot of things work well. I've seen a lot of things not work well. So enough about me. So that's that. So one of the things that happened during COVID, you'll hear people talking about, you know, the new normal. I hate that expression to be on any, I'll go as as far as saying I loathe that expression. The automotive industry was ripe for a paradigm shift for years and we still are. It's basically been the same with, you know, some updated technology and a few things here and there, but we really are clinging on some of those old ways of doing things. And so one of the things that came out of COVID that I thought was amazing, which makes me call this period we're in now the new fantastic is the resilience of business owners and our industry, the creativity, the warmth, the kindness, the generosity, the strength. I have been such in awe of watching shop owners and other business owners go through the pandemic and and we're still not out of it, but go through the, the, the bulk of it, do things that they never thought were possible become the leaders that they were always meant to be, become the community activists and community leaders, 
And you guys all got so creative for marketing and leadership and culture and recruitment and all of that stuff. And so we did a morning show. I still do. I host it. Friday is going to be actually my 300th episode, I think, if I can. <laughs> but we wanted a way to get what's the newest, latest, and greatest things, the most important, into a timely manner. And so we've had such great success with our members with our morning show that we've been asked to bring it outside of, of our members and allow everybody to take part in it. So that's where this comes in. And this is where you come in. Very excited about all of that. Part of the other things that we learned during COVID is that it's not just about being a business owner. Many of you were faced with all of a sudden becoming a teacher. You have to homeschool your kids or your grandkids. Daycare. (laughs) Daycares were closed. If you had smaller children that weren't in school, what are you doing with them there? You had people being sick and being out for days. You had to learn new laws. You had to learn all kinds of things to do. And so that takes a toll on you emotionally, physically, mentally. So it's not just about, you know, being a business leader and a CEO, which by the way, all of you are CEOs. If you don't call yourself a CEO, when somebody asks what you do, please start doing that now. I am the CEO of whatever the name of your shop or business is. It's mind, body, spirit, right? It all has to be in sync. So one of the things that we started doing was having different people come on that are not just necessarily with our industry, which is really important because we're always in like a silo, the automotive industry. We're like a silo. We we do things together, but we really don't look at what other industries are doing, what people outside of our industry are doing. And that's important. And it's also important to hear from people that can talk to your, your personal self, right? So because to be a good leader, you have to have all of those things in sync, right? So your home, your everything. So, you know, we've had school teachers on and school administrators of how do you keep kids on track, you know, when you're homeschooling. So if we just take that little piece right now, think about it. You have all this stuff and all the stress of running a business, trying to keep all your internal customers going, trying to keep your external customers coming in the door. And then you have kids at home, Mom could be smaller kids, could be older kids, but you have a budget at home probably for food and whatever. Now all of a sudden all the kids are home all day and they're just eating all day long and your budget for your food is out the window. Something as simple as that is talking about that and taking a minute and saying, hey, let's talk to a professional that's a, an educator. And how do we keep the kids on that same snack schedule and lunch schedule at home? So one, it doesn't break the bank while you're trying to pay attention and keep finances going at your business. And then also that it doesn't just take a toll on you mentally, right? That you're not having to run out to the store every five minutes and and that you're able to plan. Some of the other things, I mean, people were depressed. And so it's not just about you, these things that are happening and you need to be aware of. As a leader, you need to be aware of these things because if they're not happening to you, they're happening to one of your internal customers or external customers. So you have to be aware of what's going on in the world and what emotions people are feeling and what's happening to be able to have empathy for the people around you, right? So maybe you don't have a child at home that's, you know, going through the groceries like crazy and you're having to teach them while you're going to work and do all that. But chances are one of your internal customers do. So it's important for you to know that other information. 
people were getting depressed. They were isolated. They didn't know what to do. They were scared. They were fearful. So we've had psychologists and all of that. So we're going to bring those kind of things to you too, those kind of people, doctors, lawyers. In addition, we'll have people from other industries. Some of the most brilliant marketing things that I see going on is, you know, for example, one industry is the real estate industry. Those real estate agents and companies do such a clever job with marketing and they're doing such smart things. Why aren't we watching what they're doing? Why aren't we paying attention? Why aren't we talking to those people? So I'll be bringing some of those people here too. So while, you know, probably the majority of the guests will be a shop owner, whether previous or former, about to be one, just sold one, whatever, they could be multi-shop owners. Some, some of our shop owners have other businesses outside of the automotive industry, like laundromats or other things. We want to expose you to as much things as possible to help educate you and help you make smart choices. Some of the episodes or some of the guests, you might think, oh, that doesn't really relate to me right now. I encourage you and invite you to please tune in and listen because we all have selective attention and there's actually a function of our brain that causes that, that we'll talk about on a, on a later episode, but we all have selective attention. So we pay attention to the things that are on top of our mind. So listen anyway, file this stuff away because one day you might need it. And let's just say right now you're looking at buying a new Ford Bronco. If you can get your hands on it, all of a sudden you see a hundred Ford Broncos on the road before you decided you wanted one, you probably didn't see any. So don't let that selective attention cloud what you're going to listen to or get educated on because that's how we open our mind. And that's how we grow as get ideas from other people and listen to things that maybe wouldn't normally appeal to us, but there might be one little piece in there that you will like. So with that being said, I think you know enough about me to go forward, and I'm very excited about the future episodes. At the end of every episode, you're going to hear my email address. I really, really, really want you to reach out to me and contact me anytime that you want to, whether you want to be a guest, whether you have an idea for a guest, whether you have a topic that you think would be cool or a question, please, please, please reach out to me. I am here for you. I want to make your life better. I want to make everything better in your life, not just your business life, but your home life, your person, yourself, all of it. So so don't hesitate to contact me. With that being said, I want to just get, I call it my soapbox. Other people just say I'm really passionate about things. So my passions are probably sound much nicer than my soapbox, but you'll always know when it's coming because I can't help myself because I do get really excited. One topic I want to touch on with you today before I sign off is about your internal customers and recruiting and retaining them. Going forward from this day forward, I want you to stop saying my employees or my techs, my advisors, my shuttle driver, my whatever, and refer to them and think about them as your internal customers. Just close your eyes for a minute and think about that for what does that mean? Why do I talk about our team as an internal customer? Because we do an awful lot and jump through a lot of hoops to recruit and retain our external customers. We spend a tremendous amount of time, money, energy, efforts on making our external customers happy, ensuring they come back 
time after time, you know, more than one visit. We want them the second visit, the third visit, the fourth visit, so on and so forth. We let a lot of things slide for our external customers and we put a lot of effort in. So let me give you an example. You have an external customer that comes in and they're just grouchy, whatever. You could tell they're salty. They woke up on the wrong side of the bed, whatever could be their mom never bought them a pony. We don't know what, but they come in, they're grouchy. We never look at them and say, what's up your butt today? We're like, oh, sorry, Mr. Jones. You know, what can I help you with? And you do everything that you can to settle that external customer down, to make them feel comfortable and to take care of their needs, right? But when somebody that is in our building, an internal customer comes in in a cranky mood or a salty mood, we're like, what happened to you? What side of the bed did you sleep on last night? Why don't we take that same empathy and listening ear and all of that for our internal customer and try to help them have a better day and help them through whatever? So, so many parallels between internal and external customers. The way I hear people talk in their shop sometimes to each other is just, oh my gosh, you would never speak to an external customer the way sometimes I hear people speak to each other in a shop. And and it doesn't have to be anything completely rude, but it's like a, sometimes an internal customer, I have something you're like, yeah, I'll be right with you. You would never speak to an external customer like that. You would say, Mr. Jones, I will be with you in just one moment. Please, you know, give me a moment. Let me finish this up here and I'll be right with you. Why don't we talk to our internal customers like that? Why is this important? Everyone is talking about a labor shortage. You can call it a labor shortage. You could call it a labor crisis. You can call it whatever you want to call it. And we can sit around and whine all day long about nobody wants to be a tech anymore. Everybody's leaving the industry, the political climate, the government's making people not work, stimulus checks, millennials. There's 10,000 excuses that are out there, right, for why we cannot recruit internal customers or retain them. So I'm going to invite you right now to own it and stop the whining with that. (laughs) We're just going to be straight up honest and transparent because that's what you're going to get from me. The shops that are doing everything that they can for recruitment, for retention, who are treating their internal customers the way they treat their external customers and have engaged people there and really give the same effort all the way around to everybody. They're not having problems attracting internal customers to come and work for them. Some of them even have a waiting list or what we like to refer to as a bench. And you always have to be recruiting your internal customers the same way you market and and try to recruit external customers. There, There is no difference in between the two of them. So one of the things that I want to talk to you about in addition to that is hiring bonuses. I see a lot of hiring bonuses going on right now, not just in our industry, but all of them. I'm not discouraging that. We got to do what we got to do to to recruit internal customers. But keep in mind, what are you doing for your internal customers to keep them, right? What are you doing for retention? So think about when you get something in the mail or you see a commercial that, oh, for new AT&T commercials or new T-Mobile, you get a free phone and you get Hulu for a year. Or if you join DirecTV, you get HBO for free for a year. And then you call and they say, oh, no, you're not eligible for that. This is only for new customers. 
imagine how your your existing internal customers feel when they're seeing all these hiring bonuses and all these things going into recruitment. So are you offering also a retention bonus? Is there anything that you're doing to, to equal things out? Are you at least having a conversation with your internal customers and saying, listen, we need to hire, fill this position and we need to add somebody to our team. And so this is what we're going to be offering, but know that with their bonus that we're offering, it's still going to be comparable to what the pay scale is here. It's just going to be structured differently and better yet. Let's, let's give a retention bonus. Let's reward our internal customers for staying with us and staying loyal. Some of you did that already during COVID. You gave them spiffs or extra money because you were so grateful that they chose to come in and work for you every day. But a lot of that stuff went on the wayside now. So in the spirit of the new fantastic, we have to look at that big picture and we have to honor the people that are with us and that have stuck by us and want to learn and want to be a part of your of your community and your shop and your business. So just be smart about these bonuses and how are you doing them. And inflation, prices are going up everywhere, right? Your internal customers, when they're going to the store and they're going out to eat and they're going for groceries and they're taking their family on a trip or anything else, they're going to be feeling inflation. So if you're not doing something to offset that for them, they will be going somewhere else, regardless of how loyal they are to you. They have mouths to feed. They have bills to pay. So if their dollar is only worth 78 cents now, because inflation's going to be up to 12%, they say by the end of the year, then what happens? They need to make up that 12 cents somewhere else, right? So be smart about it. Last action item for you (laughs) at the end of this is please take a look at your internal customers, what you're paying them now, give everybody a bump of at least 5%, if not more. And then once you do that, look at your labor rate and see what are you need to charge to pay what you're paying. Okay. So make sure you're not just taking their dollar, dollar amount for the technicians. You're looking at loaded costs. For, for them, that means uniforms, meetings, training, lunches, PTO, vacation, holidays, whatever else that you offer, workers comp, payroll taxes, everything. Look at that and then build your labor rate from there. And do you want to make at least 60% on your labor? So don't be afraid to increase your labor rate if you need to, because it's going to cost you a lot more money to lose that internal customer than not having a customer too, because they got upset that you increased your labor rate. Okay. This isn't about getting rich off of anybody's back or gouging customers or taking advantage of prices or going up everywhere. This is about making sure that your internal customers are feeling the love, because let me tell you, during COVID, all of you did an amazing job of checking in on all of your internal customers and stopping by several times a day, their workstations and asking how they're feeling and how are things going at home and how are they doing mentally and all of that. And that kind of slacked off because we got really busy. So for those of you that are still paying as much attention to your internal customers as you did during the pandemic, hats off to you, kudos to you. But those of you that have slacked off a little bit, please start doing that because they know the difference and there's nothing worse than feeling only feeling appreciated when, when somebody needs you. Right. So 
keeps with the spirit of the new fantastic. So that's your, your assignments for this week's podcast. So in closing, one of the things that I mentioned earlier, I am the mother of two sons. They are both grown adults now. I have a 27-year-old or will be 27 in two months. And the other one is 24. One's a personal trainer and one is an army ranger. And so one of the things when they were growing up as, as a leader and hopefully a mentor, we all do our best and we have to sometimes let people make mistakes and our children make mistakes if it's not going to be too harmful so they can learn from them and become their own people. So with the spirit of that, every time my sons left the house, I would tell them to stay safe and to make good choices because I cared about them. And I know we are all (laughs) flawed individuals and we're not always going to make the perfect choice, but hopefully we make the best choice with the information behind us. So we will be signing off these episodes with stay safe and make good choices in the spirit of, of that. So everybody, thank you for joining me today. Uh, I look forward to a long relationship and I can't wait for you to see the guests and the authors and just so much stuff. And yes, I know there's a lot of other podcasts that you can listen to about small business, about big business, about leadership, automotive industry. And I want you to listen to them all because the more education you have and the more you open your mind, the better you will be. So goodbye for now. Stay safe, make good choices, and I'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maximum Optane, your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas, or you just want to be a guest on my show, I want to hear from you. You can reach me directly at mlpodcast at autotraining.net. Thanks for listening and keep seeking information everywhere that you can.